0: Welcome
1: to Talking Robots, the podcast with an inside view on the science, technology and business of intelligent robotics.
0: Hi, I'm Markus Weibel from the Laboratory of Intelligent Systems at the EPFL in Lausanne, Switzerland. Today's guest is Marco Dorigo, a well-known proponent of swarm robotics and the inventor of the ant colony optimization metaheuristic. Marco Dorigo currently holds a position as a tenured researcher of the Belgian National Fund for Scientific Research and as a research director of Eridia, the Artificial Intelligence Laboratory of the Université Libre de Bruxelles. He is very well known for his work on ant colony optimization and for his contributions to the field of swarm intelligence. Today we'll be talking to him about a still fairly young research field, swarm robotics. So hi Marco, welcome to Talking Robots.
1: Oh, thank you, it's my pleasure.
0: Um, In a nutshell, what is swarm robotics?
1: Well, um, I would say that swarm robotics is uh, the application of swarm intelligence principle to collective robotics. So maybe this is not really a definition because it needs uh, the definition of what is swarm intelligence and what is collective robotics. So uh, swarm intelligence, I I think we can uh, divide swarm intelligence research into biological and computational swarm intelligence, where biological swarm intelligence is concerned with the study, understanding, and modeling of biological swarm systems, while um, computational swarm intelligence studies uh, how to control or use form of artifacts, both in their software or physical forms. So the, the, the relation between the two is that computational swarm intelligence often, but not necessarily, takes inspiration from biological swarm intelligence studies. So um, in computational swarm intelligence, uh, uh, we consider large groups, uh, what we call swarms, of artificial artifacts uh, which need cooperation to achieve their goals. Uh, And we emphasize some concepts uh, like local sensing, local communication, self-organization, distributed control. (coughs) On the other side, collective robotics uh, that is how to control and solve problems using groups of robots, uh, but it does not really specify how. So therefore, if we put the two things together, we can say that swarm uh, robotics is collective robotics uh, where the number of robots is high, the robots communicate mainly with neighbors, uh, the robots sense only their neighborhood, and uh, do not use any central control, but rather they self-organize to solve problems uh, that require cooperation. So, type of problems that cannot be solved by a single robot, but they require the robot to work together.
0: Okay, great. So, uh, you mentioned a number of things here, and we'll touch on some of those later again. But one thing you mentioned is biological swarm intelligence and computational swarm intelligence. And swarm robotics itself takes a lot of inspiration from biology, most notably social insects. What makes these biological systems interesting?
1: <coughs> well, uh Ants and social insects, uh, I think they are interesting because they are an a example of existing and working swarm intelligence systems. So by studying them, we can learn how to control swarms of artificial agents. Uh, also, the, historically, they have been among the first swarm intelligence systems to be studied, and personally, I mean, from my personal history, I started to work in swarm intelligence when I developed the, the Ant Colony Optimization Meteoristic, which is a population-based stochastic optimization algorithm, which um, was inspired by the foraging behavior of ant colonies. So even though the, 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 this this work of mine is not related to swarm robotics, still is one of the works that um, contributed to make swarm intelligence popular. Uh,
0: if I watch an ant colony at work, what I see is a lot of movement and nothing really well-organized it seems there's a lot of randomness and error going on in these systems. Why would such systems be appealing for robotics?
1: Yeah, okay, this is a uh, the, the question that I get uh, quite often. <coughs> the, uh, what I believe is that uh, the, the randomness that we observe in ant colonies and in other social insect societies um, can, com- can be considered to be an efficient way to implement a trial and error process in which ants try different actions until they as not succeed. So what we are trying to do in swarm uh, robotics is to reproduce uh, these, uh, uh, for example, uh, well, for example, in swarms of robots that self-assemble. Uh, in, in this case, uh, uh, instead of programming the robots so that they align exactly to allow for the self-assembly mechanism to work, uh, we let random movement help the process. Okay? So the, this randomness is put to work for our goals.
0: So, this randomness is really an essential property that of the system, and not something that's a disadvantage, but rather an advantage
1: yeah, it's like uh, we are adding noise uh, and we try to, to 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 use this noise to our advantage here
0: um, It allows
1: us to have a less precise models of the environment and of the robot
0: so this randomness is one advantage it allows you to to have a you said a more efficient way of trial and error. Um, what is other what are other advantages of using swarm robotics rather than conventional ways of controlling a group of robots
1: um, okay I, I, I would I would not say that there are really advantages over conventional ways um, of controlling groups of robots the The, the point is that uh you yeah, know we're focusing on the control of swarms of robots hmm? that is big groups of robots where the central control and the uh, global maps of the environment uh, uh, point-to-point communication between pairs of robots m- becomes become unfeasible. So uh, what we need is a different approach, and uh, we believe that the, the, an approach based on swarm intelligence can be the right way to go. Uh, however, uh, uh, whenever we find this is useful, we also use traditional, I mean, uh, we can call them so, uh, traditional methods, such as behavior-based architectures, reactive control, or evolutionary robotics, and so on.
0: What do you mean by large numbers of robots?
1: Well, it's difficult, uh, it's difficult to put uh, a number there. <laughs> uh, but I would say that uh, it's uh, 20, uh, 30 or more. It, I, I think this number will change uh, the, the, with time. What is large now for a small robotic system may become small in the future when we'll, we'll be able to uh, build a cheap robots in great quantities and uh, as we, we, in the meantime we learn how to control them
0: So the first research attempts in swarm robotics have been met by a lot of skeptics They criticize that there's a lack of design methodologies for swarm robotics, there's a lack of applications there's a lack of predictability in other words according to them we don't really know how to make this work and we don't know what to use it for and also the, the swarming systems they're quite unsafe. How would you respond to that?
1: OK, so here you mentioned three things, three lacks. That is, uh, lack of design methodologies, lack of applications, and lack of predictability. So uh, I will try to give a short answer to each of these. Uh, so concerning the lack of design methodologies, this is partly true, uh, as, as well, robotics is young discipline. Uh, and uh, in fact, uh, I think that developing methodologies is uh, one of the goals of ongoing research. Okay, so um, concerning the lack of applications, again, (laughs) this is a very young discipline, so I I think it might be too much to ask for real-world applications. However, uh, I think that we can envision applications for the future, such as search and rescue or uh, exploration, for example, planetary uh, exploration or exploration of dangerous areas or uh, underwater exploration. Uh, Underwater exploration you interviewed uh, a few weeks ago, Uwe Zimmer, and his work is exactly on... This subject. Yes. And um, last was um, yeah, l- lack of predictability. Here, um, I think most people are concerned with the chaotic be behavior of the individual robots. Um, but I think that you should consider that um, this stochasticity at the microscopic level does not necessarily carry over to the macroscopic level, which in our case is the swarm level. So I, I think that it's possible to have predictable swarm-level behavior, even though the individual behavior has some level of stochasticity. And showing that this is, this is true is uh, one of the goals of uh, our research.
0: Um, you said that design methodologies currently are a research topic in, in swarm robotics. Uh, could you tell us a bit more about this? How do you create a swarm robotic system? What are the what are the tools we have today for this?
1: Um, well, how do I, I create a swarm robotic system? The, f- the, the, the first thing that uh, I need is many robots, uh, similar robots, uh, because a swarm robotic uh, system is composed of, uh, as I said before, many robots that are all similar, or at most uh, there might be a few groups of similar robots. So as a first or as a first condition, we need to build many similar robots. Then once we have the robots, we we have to control them, which becomes a real challenge. So what we do to develop the controllers is, uh, um, well, we develop different simulators so that we are able to study different behaviors of the swarm. And also we use the simulator to test the usefulness of additional capacities of the robots. Uh, for obtaining designs from level behavior. Mm. So this activity can in turn provide feedback to the robot designers, and so there is, there is a, a cycle between the people running the control experiments and the people building the robots. And then once we have robots that are working and we have the simulators and so on, we uh, write controllers for the robots. We test it in simulations, and we we do this in a way that um, is robust to porting on the real robot. So we try to have uh, to to model only those things that are necessary, and to add a lot of noise, and so all typical things that are done uh, by people developing controllers for autonomous robots, and then we test the results on the real robots. Okay, So this is quite standard stuff, and uh, <coughs> uh, to develop the Controllers, uh, we tend to use uh, uh, either hand-coded behaviors, so behavior-based architectures uh, with behaviors that are hand-written, or uh, uh, evolutionary robotics, or a mix of the two. Mm,
0: Okay. Um, Where do you see potential applications of this approach?
1: Um, Okay, so uh, I already mentioned a couple before, but... um, I think uh, we can try to use imagination here, uh, for example, we could imagine that uh, uh, in the future, with progresses in miniaturization, we could have swarms of hundreds or even thousands of tiny robots huh? and uh, each of these robots uh, could well groups of these robots can be highly specialized, uh, and they the, it can also be that at some point we are able to Uh, to to build these robots cheap enough so that they are dispensable. So you don't care too much if you lose some of them. (coughs) Sorry. So uh, applications. uh, um, As I said, trying to use imagination, uh, consider the typical application example that is given by roboticists, the robotic vacuum cleaner. Uh, What we have now is a single relatively big robot. Uh, now we could imagine a completely different type of vacuum cleaner based on swarm robotics where uh, you have hundreds of tiny robots which uh, go around collecting litter and acting alone when the litter is small enough Um, uh, and uh, acting as a collective when the litter is too big so they can transport it uh, in a cooperative way (coughs) so the advantage of this would be uh, that uh, you have uh, small robots that if the, the typical advantages from robotics: so they uh, they are uh, not too expensive. They can break down, uh, or they can. Uh, I, I mean, you don't care too much uh, where they are in the house. They they can just stay in the corner and uh, or under the bed and uh, come out when there is a need. Um, or another thing that we would imagine is um, to have. A, tiny robots that are waiting in a building without doing anything until some major problem happens, uh, something like an earthquake or a fire. Uh, at that moment, they start swarming around to find out where people are or, and indicate them safe ways, ways out. And to, so these might look, uh, they, in fact, they look a little bit like science fiction applications now. But I, I believe that they might become feasible in the not too far future.
0: Um, moving to a slightly different topic now attempts to create artificial intelligence have met sort of a complexity barrier so even today we can't create anything artificial that has the intelligence of say a mouse uh, do you think that the step that you're taking in, in swarm robotics from individual intelligence to collective intelligence could be a key ingredient in achieving higher complexity in artificial systems?
1: Mm, I'm not sure about this um In fact, the the goal of my research is more in the spirit of finding new ways for solving problems uh, rather than reproducing intelligent mental mechanisms. So uh, my goal is not to build and control more complex artifacts, but to solve complex problems using simpler approaches. So in other words, I I would like to show that there are situations in which many simple robots can do better, both in efficiency, reliability, robustness, uh, than a more complex robot.
0: Okay, let's move to the second part where we talk a bit more about about the future, uh, or what you think about the future. Uh, where do you see the big goals in swarm robotics for the next twenty years or so?
1: Okay, uh, so, uh, Let me let me first start with uh, answering an a easier question, that is, what are the goals for the next five years, and then I go to the twenty. Okay. So, so the the, the for the next. Five years. I think that uh, one of uh, the goals uh, is what we are facing uh, in, our, in, in our current work, in, our, in a project that is called the Swarmanoid, that has the goal of constructing and controlling a swarm of approximately 60 robots. Okay? So, uh, the, the main innovation in this project is that uh, the robots will be, the swarm will be heterogeneous. That means that in previous work uh, we we've been working with uh, homogeneous uh, robots, uh, all, all the same. Here we have uh, robots of different types. Uh, the the name of the project as humanoid um, was chosen because uh, the the goal is to build robots that move and act in environments that are those that are typically addressed by humanoid robot designers, but we are following a strong robotics approach. <coughs> So, in uh, Swarmanoid, we will have three types of robots that we call uh, uh, footbots, handbots, and eyebots. We will have footbots that will be specialized in moving or rough terrain and transporting uh, objects or other robots. We we will have um, eyebots that will fly or will be attached to the ceiling, and will be specialized in sensing, uh, analyzing the environment from high position, so they in this way they can provide an overview of the environment that footbots or handbots cannot have. And then uh, last we will have a uh, handbots that will be specialized in moving and acting in, in a space zone uh, that is uh, between the, 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 the one covered by the footbots and the one covered by the highbots, so between the ground and the ceiling. These handbots uh, uh, will be able to move on vertical surfaces of walls or uh, of objects uh, that are located in the environment. And uh, we are going to run an experiment in which the, this uh, heterogeneous worm, this wormanoid, will be asked to solve problems that require cooperation. Like, for example, this worm might be requested to maintain order in a room or uh, to retrieve an object positioned somewhere on a shelf. Okay? So, I, I think this is uh, for achieving this uh, in the next five years uh, is uh, already quite a challenging goal. Now. <coughs> The, the, the big goal uh, in swarm robotics for the next 20 years, I think that um, uh, the big goal will be to demonstrate the interest of the approach, of the swarm robotics approach, via some highly innovative application. Hmm? I, I don't know which one. Uh, I, uh, I can say what I would like. Eh? The, the, uh, an application that I hope to be able to work in the future is, for example, the design and construction and control of swarm of robots that are capable of building a structure autonomously, or uh, a swarm of robots that are capable of uh, producing other individuals in the swarm, starting from some basic components. So that is a, a swarm that is capable of self-reproduction somehow. Um, I think this would be real breakthrough. And um, and also these, these kind of, uh, th- these two uh, applications that I was describing, would open up completely, completely new uh, activities like uh, planetary colonization, because you have a reproducing robot that can uh, produce new structures.
0: Uh, and where do you see the biggest challenging challenges, excuse me, in reaching those goals?:
1: Well um, so currently, we have some understanding on how to program or learn basic swarm behaviors such as, um, I don't know, cooperative transport, uh, pathfinding, self-assembly, coordinate movement, so on. Then There are many things that uh, we are missing. Uh, well, for example, we, we need to learn how to implement the higher level, that is how to coordinate the different behaviors. And we will need to work out mechanisms for adaptive task allocation uh, and for giving the swarm a goal-oriented behavior. Um, so th- th- I think there, there are really mm, a number of things that uh, we need to learn. Uh, another important challenge uh, will concern communication, uh, both between the robots within the swarm and between the swarm and humans. Uh, in particular, uh, I-, I think swarm-human interaction will be a big challenge. Uh, for example, we will have to uh, understand whether it is better to communicate by broadcasting sub-signals to all the individuals in the swarm. Or whether it's better to implement mechanisms that allow communication to happen only with a few selected individuals in the swarm, and then it is these individuals that influence the behavior of the rest of the colony and we We also need to understand which kind of signal to transmit signals uh, uh, can be more or less effective they can be more or less uh, uh, costly uh, so that there are many decisions to be made here. <coughs> another concern, is, well, another major concern is robustness. So we need to understand how to make our controllers uh, capable not only to perform what they are required to perform, but also to um, uh, what to do when something goes wrong. So be able to implement some contingency plans. Uh, for example when when they identify how to identify malfunctioning individuals and uh, uh, when they identify them, how to substitute them with new working ones and um, last, well there are many challenges obviously also in hardware. I'm not an hardware expert, so I, I will not talk too much about that, but I think that the big challenge that regards Hardware will be to understand how to design hardware so that the control of the swarm becomes feasible or simpler. We we have already experienced uh, that (coughs) in our work that apparently innocent choices uh, in hardware can have uh, quite dramatic effects on the possibility to implement uh, swarm behaviors, or that they can greatly influence the efficiency with which such behaviors are performed. Okay, so uh, I think these are some of the the, the challenges.
0: Uh, and now, moving to robotics in general, really very general question. Uh, if you had to predict twenty years from now, uh, what would you say? Which field of robotics uh, will have had the biggest impact in our lives?
1: Well, uh, in, in generally, I'm very optimistic. In, in this case, unfortunately, I, I think the, it will be the military. Will, that will be the first to demonstrate some impressive uses of autonomous robots. Um, apart from this, I'm pretty sure that robotics will become an important part of the game toy business, and it will become more and more important in the space industry. On the other side, uh, regarding the, our day everyday life, uh, uh, <coughs> sorry, I think uh, we will have to wait much longer than the next 20 years to see robots become. Uh, widespread appliances in our homes. Uh, And in any case, uh, I expect that the introduction of robots in domestic environments will be a gradual one, and uh, it will happen slowly. Uh, Nothing compared to such rapid changes uh, as those that we have witnessed uh, in the deployment of the mobile phone or uh, of the Internet infrastructures. So slowly they will come.
0: And when will we see these swarms of tiny vacuum cleaners that we would all like very much to have (laughs) now that you talked about?
1: This uh, belongs to the much longer than the next 20 years, I think.
0: Okay, thank you, Marco, uh, for joining us here on Talking Robots.
1: Yeah, it was my pleasure.
0: This concludes this episode of Talking Robots. We talked to Marco Dorigo from the Université Libre de Bruxelles about using swarm robotics to control groups of robots, about the advantages of this still-young approach, and about current and future trends in this research field. You can have a look at our website for additional information and links, as well as for information on past and upcoming podcasts. I'm Marcus Weibel. Thanks for listening.
1: Talking Robots, the inside view on robotics. For more information on past and upcoming podcasts, visit our website at
0: lis.epfl.ch